0: Hey there, Comply Podcast listeners. Today's podcast is a discussion had between Jason Krummenaker, Manager of Client Success here at Performline, and Patricia Smith, VP of Customer Care and Experience at Purpose Financial. During their discussion, Patricia shares how a robust, multi channel compliance monitoring approach has supported their quest for excellence in the customer journey at Purpose Financial and shares best practices your organization can implement as well. Thanks for listening and enjoy.
1: Thank you all for being here today. I'm Jason Crumminaker, a manager of client success at Performline, and I'm joined by Patricia Smith, the vice president of customer care and experience at Purpose Financial. Patricia has been in the lending industry for over 20 years at companies like GMAC, Ally, Advance America, and for the last six years has been at Purpose Financial. Patricia, you're a passionate leader. And advocate of the customer experience, and your focus is to rally the organization around your customers' needs and how to best support the customer throughout their journey. Um, I'm excited to talk to you today uh, just about how compliance initiatives tie into supporting that journey from your perspective. So, To get started, um, I guess it's best to begin with a little bit of background about Purpose Financial um, for those that are unfamiliar and uh, maybe the group that you oversee.
2: Yeah, thank you. Now, so Purpose Financial, we offer a diverse offering of products across the United States. And we also offer it through our omni-channel experience, which means we're offering it online and within the storefronts itself. So, based on what the customer financial needs are, there might be a array of products that they could choose from in order to get back to financial stability. The, the team of you asked about that I have so, I have a team of, I, I oversee the customer care and experience area. Um, that's about 100, 120 people. However, we have people outside of that area that use the Perform Line product and the QA area that falls under my hierarchy that also oversees that. So, in total, there's probably 200 people that we have on PerformLine and using that product today.
1: Wow, it's amazing to think how big that is. And then the the active users in the platform, I mean, how many people do you guys have using, I guess, PerformLine regularly?
2: I would say within the area um, on a day-to-day basis, we have 200, but then we also have people outside of our area such as our compliance um, teams that actually use it to go in there and look at areas too in order to get in more information and see how the reporting's working and where we're um, at that that given point in time.
1: Yeah, so many moving parts. And, I mean, we've been working together for a while now, um, Mm -hmm. and I've really kind of experienced how all of that comes together. And also your commitment, not only to um, compliance, but also to your customers and how that comes together uh, for you and for your use of PerformLine. Uh, can you tell me how Purpose Financial is tackling compliance in your day-to-day operations? Yeah,
2: we do it daily. I mean, we're in a highly regulated area. So compliance is very top of mind. So we're constantly reviewing our calls on a contact of any which on a constant basis. So, you know, we started with the form line a couple years back. We have built out rule sets. And then we're constantly refining and doing the remediations and addressing those in a quick and fashionable manner to make sure that we're following the guidelines and the rules that are set upon us by our regulators internally or even by our product managers that we have.
1: Okay. And how has your approach to compliance changed over the last few years?
2: It, is, it has. I mean, I don't know if our approach really ever changed. We always wanted to be compliant. We're. State We're making sure that we're following the letter of the law, but being able to monitor it is what really changed in our aspect with using the form line. In the past, before we had it, we were probably able to monitor, I would say, maybe 1% to 2% of our contacts. Now we're monitoring 100% of our contacts with using this tool. And we were really able to hone in on the areas of, hey, this is what we need to work on. And here's the areas of opportunity. And we're constantly doing that on a continuous basis. However, a lot of that work was done in the forefront of getting these areas, um, of connecting with Performline, line, getting those calls and um, chats and emails being ingested. And then we were finding the opportunity points and then taking those and making the changes and then looking at other areas constantly.
1: Yeah. And you guys monitor, I mean, multiple channels, um, mm-hmm. like she just went over. Um, And there's a lot of direct communication there between agents and customers. So um, how have you tackled those complexities that come with that? Uh, How have you, you know, you and your team kind of focused on the intricacies of that, if you will?
2: (laughs) I think it's you start with something, right? You, You go in there, we started and we have multiple areas that we have in our area. So we just don't have one customer service area. But they do different things, So we don't have we have collections areas and service desks. Is we went in and we built the rule sets, and then as we built the rule sets, we said, oh, these "Are these the right rule sets?" And then we refined them. And then as we began to get that stable base, it, then we started to start to see if areas of opportunity of how do you start making training around it? and here's um, what happens. Um, what do you what do you need to change from it? For instance, when before we had perform line, we were using. Only monitoring, like I said, one to 2% of our calls or contacts. And we were averaging an 86% score for quality assurance. Now that we have Performline, I think last month we ended up with one of our highest, we had 97. And it kept progressing because we kept finding new areas of opportunity. So you would feel like, hey, now that we put this on, we're going to start to get worse scores. No, it's at the opposite. You start to get better scores because now you get to see the whole ecosystem. And finding the key areas that you're seeing common denominators or common areas of opportunity across your whole universe, rather than hitting three calls a month or 10 calls a month per agent, and not really finding that ability to get all that data together in a short period of time to find that opportunity.
1: And in- you know, I like the way that you put that. And I think talking about that whole ecosystem might be a good segue and also talking about some of your future goals, mm-hmm. because there's a lot of initiatives that you've been talking about and you're working on um, that you're looking to accomplish in some of the upcoming months and years. So can you yeah. tell us a little bit about those two?
2: Yeah. So some of the stuff that we're really trying to focus on is customer experience. So we have compliance and we have all that bound pat. We're getting there. We have it. We're good. So you can be compliant, but not give that customer experience. So a lot of the stuff we're focusing on now is like using the sentiment. Like, are we sounding like we're empathetic? Are we not over-talking our customers? Am I talking too fast of a pace? And trying to pace with those. So using those tools to truly give a better service by not only just being compliant, but giving that customer the service that they want and need
1: to. That I and I love the way you put that because you also use some of the buzzwords from our business intelligence tool which I know you guys have been yeah. using <laughs> since like day one. Um, so I know you've touched on this a little bit, but how does the data that you're getting from PerformLine help you in achieving those goals for the the customer as well as for the organization as a whole?
2: It allows us to look at stuff quickly. Like I'm going to give an example of something that we use that's probably near and dear to many of our hearts that we saw quick change on. Um, so when we started with COVID-19, when that pandemic was in the initial stages, we found out like, hey, we're getting a lot of calls on this, but we didn't know how many. Like how many were calling and saying that they needed assistance or they couldn't make a payment or they needed extension. So we started to look at the data and we built a rule sets around this and built spotlights to say, hey, we just need to measure how many contacts are saying these keywords that are around kind of COVID-19, like somebody saying virus or somebody saying pandemic, mask, using some keywords to say, hey, this customer is probably calling about the pandemic or needing assistance and then gave us a good idea of, hey, this is where we need to focus on. And then we can start pulling these calls and listening to them in depth. And what do we need to give and make sure we're giving our customers the information that they need and the assistance that they need?
1: Wow. That, I actually didn't know that story. Thank you. That's a good one to share. And I'm, yeah, I'm appreciative that we could be a small part of that as you are serving your customers, which is so important kind of for your business and also for your growth. So um, thank you. And also, well, thank you. Yeah, (laughs) we do what we can here. Um, And I guess, I think we're running a little close on time. So um, I'm going to go to my last question. Uh, so based on your experience with PerformLine, what recommendations or words of wisdom um, would you share with other PerformLine clients who are joining us today?
2: I would say, you know, don't be afraid to start with small things first, like get, get the foundation built and then begin to build upon it. Like it's OK to change it to say, hey, no, nope, that's not really what we we're looking for and going in there. And you having the ability to do it yourself and then go in and say, this is really what we needed to have. And this is really what we needed to change. And working with your perform line partners, and, you know, Jason, you know, like you say, we talk all the time, like we have biweekly calls and we're constantly refining it. Like, is this really the right thing that you want to say? And utilize those tools and resources to constantly refine it. It's not one of those things that you kind of just said it once and then you're done. No, it's something that you want to constantly be tweaking. So that's going to really give you your tool and going to give you what you need to have. And then you focus on what other, what, what can we do next is constantly what we're saying in our area.
1: Thank you. I hope that some of those joining in will take that advice and continue to tweak their platform and grow their rule book. And mm-hmm you know, hopefully we'll be able to scale up to the size of the the operation that you're overseeing. I think we do have a little bit of time for questions. So if you do have any questions for Patricia, please feel free to put them in the Q&A box now. Um, And I will give this a second for them to come in. Okay, looks like we have our first question. So uh, Patricia, what are the customer pain points that you largely focus on?
2: So we look at a few things, not just one pain point. Um, we like to set rules in place. We put some what we call is some spotlights, so we're not grading special on those particular things and we're not affecting the score, but we have keywords on there and choice words that people would say um, during that time or phrases, for instance, like how many times or I'm getting frustrated or anything close to that to see if we are seeing frustration points at the customer, what they're saying to us. We also monitor some of the speech. If someone's talking quickly or if somebody's over-talking someone, some of these things that you find out because of friction that's happening and just our human behavior in doing so. So we're not just monitoring words that are said, but also ways that we're saying those words.
1: Interesting. Okay. Good answer. Good question. Yeah. Okay. Let's see. We have a few more coming in. The next one um, that I'm going to call out here. Uh, so what are the key factors to building a robust compliance program with such a vast team?
2: It's a, it's a lot. I'm going to say it's a lot of work. <laughs> Don't think it's going to come in and you turn the light on and it's working. It's constantly, it's building it out and looking at the areas that you're working on. So we looked at each group differently. So we have different areas within our contact center. As we mentioned earlier, we have customer service or customer care, as we call them. We have internal teams, um, external teams. We have teams that just focus on certain aspects of the company based on calls that they get. And we went in there and we built rule sets for each one of those. Now, some of those have the same core rule set and what we want to do, you know, verify the customer, say certain phrases in certain words or close the call in a certain way. But then there's unique pieces to each of those. And we built those out. So we didn't measure everybody with the same stick because they all don't do the same job. And it's constantly going in and refining those pieces as you build those pieces out. And as you build a new campaign, you, build, you go in there and you start building new rule sets too. So as you change, so should you perform my measurement as well
1: yeah that and we have done many a rule change. Um, yeah. you guys have gone <laughs> in and done plenty yourself, too, uh, which That's is always correct. nice to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, and I let's see the last question I think we have time for. Oh, this is an interesting one. So how have your employees responded to the increase in monitoring?
2: Okay, um. Let me think. So, I would say I would break that into a couple areas based on the fact that we have different employees. Some actually like quality assurance, let's take first and foremost. We started with five employees when we used to do the manual reviews before perform line, doing quality. We continued to have five employees as we went over. So, last year we did 1.5 million contacts with those same five quality assurance agents. So I think they were, you know, they were ecstatic. I mean, building it out was, a at the beginning with them, you know, that was a lot of work and everything. So I think once you got that done, there was accomplishment there. And then being able to truly see see the needle move as they began to find out areas of opportunity. And then you make those changes and you see change being made. They started to see, you know, well, this is, I'm doing something. I'm making change. And so they started to get the buy-in and they started to really enjoy it. Um I would say at the um, management level, it is a lot easier. Like before it was a lot of paper pushing or a lot of emails going back and forth and things getting lost in the way. Where now using this tool. It's kind of all captured within the one area. So they were able to, one, be able to easily give information back and forth as they were doing coaching sessions based on the remediations that they were doing. And then two, being able to go back easily to say, hey, how is this person doing over time? which is very hard when you do it in a manual um, format or doing it over Excel. So they were able to ingest a lot of stuff and be able to get detailed on an individual or their team as a whole um, quickly. And then I would say three is the employee itself. So I would say in the past we mentioned we did like one to three, a very small percentage of contacts that we could get to for each individual based on the size of a quality team. So if I had a bad day and you listen to my one call that I might have had, then my grading is between three calls and I'm getting very I'm getting scored very low. Um, Also, you're putting in, you know, when you're having an individual listen to it, sometimes it's objective versus objective type of deal. So then you're kind of taking that stuff away. So I think the employee felt that they were being measured um, more equally across everybody and then they were able to also give feedback on how they felt they did and then show, you know, they were able to change and actually get higher scores in the end as we begin to refine that product.
1: Wow. That, you know, it's very interesting. We don't normally hear um, the value of more reviewed calls and assets coming through for employees being (laughs) happy about it, but it's such a fair point, right? Three calls, three emails is your total sample size. You know, one one bad message isn't a true representation. So no, thank definitely. you. That's a great
2: yeah, no, answer. Definitely. No, thank you. And I would just say going into it, like if this is your first time going into it, just set the expectation up as, hey, it's we're going to make changes from this. You're going to find false positives. And that's why you constantly have to go in and refine those those points and making sure, Hey, if we're getting a lot of people and this is we're measuring this and it's giving a false positive, then go in there and change your rule. So you're not constantly having to have that. And as you refine it, you start to get more and more buy-in.
1: Yeah. I think that is a great point to end on, um, which is fair because we are out of time. So Patricia, um, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much for your insights.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Comply Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the conversation between Jason and Patricia around best compliance practices that your organization can implement. For additional insights into all things marketing compliance, you can head to content.performline.com. And if you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe to the Comply Podcast at content.performline.com podcast or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening as always, and we'll see you next time.